This is the Black Creative Handbook with your host, Cassandra Lauren Gordon. This podcast will help to inspire, motivate, and give that blueprint, the manual for success for people in the creative businesses, for people from the African and Black diaspora to help us just move along, get that bag, and no more starving artist syndrome. No, out the door. Co-work with us. Be with us and be successful and get the gems. You might have heard in the podcast, or you're going to hear it soon, that this was called the Creative For You podcast. Don't worry about that. It's Creative For You. Let's be successful and be positive. So welcome to the Created For You podcast where we're looking how great people make special memories for people and in the personal services. I, I, I always get confused about what do we call this 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 sector when we're doing a special kind of experience for people. What would you call it? Hold on. I'm going to introduce our guest. Jamie! Jamie. Hello! Okay, great. Do you want to introduce yourself and what do you do? Hi, my name is Jamie Horton. I am the founder and, well, self-appointed creative director of a wedding video company called Yours Truly Wedding Films. We create wedding films, as I just said, Mm -hmm. for uh, the modern Indian couples. So we specialise in Hindu and Sikh, whether that's Punjabi or Gujarati weddings. Um, they're big events, so it requires a lot of experience, a lot of um, patience and a lot of uh, time to, to create something special for these people. So that's why I've decided to go into something very specific. And that is very specific because I didn't know that, <laughs> you know, how specific it was. <laughs> so thank you for um, going into that that depth. And before... Oh, sorry, can I just say one other thing? To, go to, ahead. To put on the end of that. Well, um and alongside that, we also have an English, uh, sorry, and alongside that, we also have a quote-unquote English wedding video company, which is more geared towards uh, typical English weddings that you might have in a church or in a barn or in a teepee, uh, and not in a, and in a similar way to the Yours Truly stuff, which is higher end and more cinematic, we produce more budget-friendly wedding videos for couples who still want something really nice for their wedding, but don't mm-hmm. want to break the bank for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, so, I'm going to make editing life in mind there. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all going to be kept in because we need to have the realness about what we do. And it's good that you put them in two different categories so people don't get, don't get confused. So it's very important knowing who your customers are. So one is for the Asian wedding market and one is budget-friendly for typical English traditional wedding so it's very distinct it's not a one-size-fits-all so that's really good so before I get into the nitty-gritty of your business what we do here on this podcast we people buy from people people want to know people with you know some trust so we have some fireside chat questions about you and just be honest about whatever comes to your head so one of the questions is what advice would you give to your 18 year old self I think the best advice I'd give to my 18-year-old self, which coincidentally is the, the kind of age that I started doing this sort of thing, mm-hmm. is just to be patient. Don't let setbacks get you down. Don't let a lack of money... Don't, don't necessarily think that a lack of money means lack of resources. I think when we first started out, things like... It's going to sound ridiculous. Things like YouTube didn't exist. Mm, mm. Like there was nowhere to platform the content you were making. Content wasn't even a word. Mm. It was just video, photo. Like no one knew what YouTube was. Google was barely a thing. So, you know, I give the advice is that I would give the advice that there's always going to be new advances in technology. There's always going to be new tools to make mm, your life easier. Mm, mm. So, you know, 12 years later, you know, I just turned 30 last year. So 12 years later and, you know, there's a lot more available to help us do the job, but it took that graft from from ground zero, from scratch, from square one, you know, all those cliches to get to the position we are now. So just, you know, I would say just don't get disheartened. 
keep going, keep doing what you believe is the right thing to do. Learn from your mistakes. Mm. Eventually, you'll get to a position where you're really happy with where you are. Okay, that sounds like you've been for a journey. I'm still going on a journey. <laughs> it sounds like we need to we need to unpick that late, later on. You've been on a journey. It seems like you have worked your way. You worked your butt off to yeah, be where you are today. You know, I've never been like a silver spoon kid. Like you know, I've always worked really hard for what I have. I've always had um, good opportunities, and I haven't always made the most of those opportunities. But I can look back now in earnest and say, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. But every decision I've ever made, or every mistake, or every good thing that's ever happened, has always has led me to this point. Mm. So as long as you keep learning and keep growing, the only way is up. Okay. Wow, positivity. Okay, I did. I, I need to feel yeah, more of your, your your vibe because um, sometimes when you have ups and downs, don't always feel that way. I'm like, has all my decisions led me to this point? But it's true. Uh, you know, do I believe first things happen for a reason? Um, it's just just keep on going. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, as you say, you can look back at things and regret them or go, I wish I did that. But then you look at decisions and go, well, if I didn't do that thing in that exact way this other good thing wouldn't have happened. Mm, mm, mm. You know, whether you, well, I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but, you know, I don't think you should ever regret anything. I'd rather regret, I, I would rather regret doing something than regret not doing something. At least if you know, at least if you do something, you know the outcome and you can live by that decision. And then if you make a mistake, you can fix it. Or if you make, if you do something good, then you can prosper from it. That's the way I. That's the way I try to uh, live my life and run my business, really. Okay, that is the philosophy. Okay, that's it. So you just said that yeah, you man. meant you was fair tea, yeah? Am I right? Oh, so yeah, the big three. Yeah. The big three O. Um, I'm a bit ahead of you, but it's it's all good in in, Are in you? the hood. Yeah, I'm 32. No way! I thought you were like 27, 28. I like you even more. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to flatter. I genuinely thought you were younger than that. I try. I try. <laughs> so what advice would you give to your 27-year-old self? So three years ago, what advice would you give yourself? Um, oh, that's a question. I would say to myself, you're onto something really good. Again, persevere, keep at it. Don't let, don't let negativity and... Uh, it's kind of bring you down. Don't let, don't go into that spiral of of self doubt and and pity and you know non belief. Just keep plugging away. Keep doing what you know works. And whether that results in better relationships, um, better commissions, mm. ultimately more money, mm-hmm. more security, mm-hmm. better financial health, mm-hmm. better personal health, personal wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, just general happiness. Then. And you'll you'll be onto a winner. Oh, okay. Three years ago, everything was di- everything was different. We didn't. Yeah, you know, I've been doing Indian weddings for seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. It was only about three years ago that we started to get really good at it, and to actually find our place in the market. It was always just doing a little bit here, a little bit there, a couple of referrals, a couple of recommendations, but there was no real driving purpose behind it. There was no message. There was no consistent output. But three years ago, everything changed and. I started to get a bit more focused and more, right, let's actually do something properly with this. So, I would, yeah, three years ago, I would have told myself those things. Okay. Okay. That was, that was deep. That was deep. Okay, I have a few more of these um, questions. So, what are you most curious about now? I mean, at the time of recording, we're kind of, on this upward curve of COVID-19 and, you know, not really sure what's going to happen in the country as a whole, but in my industry, it's more unnerving than ever. I'm curious about customer confidence in the short term, whether people getting married in April, May, June, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the next immediate three months, whether they're going to, you know, more than likely they're more than likely going to postpone their weddings either later this year or early next year or even next summer so cash flow wise that that's a really big hit for us so you know all those plans that you had in the summer to do this this and this it it kind of puts that in the bin really so i'm curious about how 
how that's going to happen. Curious in the long term about, you know, how long this this whole shenanigans is going to last, what kind of knock on effect it's going to have on our business towards the end of this year. Um, yeah, that's what I'm curious about right now. Okay, <laughs> I cool. say curious because no one knows what's going to happen. I know, it's boring times, like isn't it? Society of people that goes right. This is exactly how this is going to play out. Maybe there is, who knows? But. It's just no one knows what's going to happen. So I'm very curious. And we sit here and me and my partner, Rachel, we just come up with ideas and come up with strategies to combat it. And yeah, it's leaving us very curious right now. Okay. So a lot of contingency planning, continue business planning. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, being, being proactive rather than reactive. I hear you. Know, you. Kind of plan for the future. And you know, there's no timeline on this, on this nonsense. But at least we can plan four, six, eight weeks in advance and just try and stay ahead of it for our business. Yeah, I'm not talking in the in the big mm. picture of the country. I just mean in our business. Um, mm. Keeping people calm. You know, brides get stressed. You know, not to, not to pigeonhole people, but people, you know, clients get stressed. They get worried that they're going to lose all this money. We put them at ease and just say, you know, we're good. Don't need to worry about us. Like, we're business as usual. If you have to reschedule, you have to reschedule. If you have to cancel, you have to cancel. And we just try and keep everyone calm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that, um, the mug, you remember what was about five years ago, keep calm and carry on. Like, it's that kind yeah, of, that's that's that like that kind a, of slogan. That's a phrase from the wartime, mm. like World War II and stuff. I think this week has just showed that all those keep calm and, parry, and, keep calm and carry on posters are absolutely useless. Because <laughs> people, people aren't. People are like going out and panic buying paracetamol on toilet roll. It's like, okay, oh. cool. I can't even tell you. Anyway, it's another it's another time how I felt in in, in, in the supermarket today. Um, it's tricky. It's tricky, and I just feel uh, just going off topic. Just have more empathy because I was walking past homeless people, the elderly people. I'm just like I'm able bodied, but I live by myself in my flat. I don't come from. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a Londoner, and the first time I felt like really alone. Like if it happens to be. I'm screwed because no one's going to come to me because no one lives next to me. I don't have no family. I don't have no close friends who are near nearby. So I'm just like, you know, I'm so, you know, having a lot of gratitude and lots of empathy for people, um, you know, who make not, who are, who are vulnerable, you know. So. We need more empathy with people, generally, you know, people just in general. Like in this country, there's a real look out for number one kind of attitude. I think you do need to look out for for other people especially in times of need but it should be a general thing we should just have more empathy and understanding mm. for everyone's situation you know try and give people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. try to be kind it's the best we can do really as you can do okay so what is something that you failed at oh, i failed at oh god what, in like a, in a very specific scenario? Does that, does that be, be business? Thing? It could be a personal thing. It doesn't have to be, like, it could be anything. Uh, I failed to prioritise my health over the last three or four years. Mm. Which is difficult because you get busy and you, you get all these ideas of what you want to do. You go out and do them. And then it just becomes your life. And that's great. You build this business. But then it's like you put on weight and then you don't have time to go and lose the weight and then it's just I don't know it's, it's difficult it's difficult so that's one thing I failed at big time okay, but, but I'm always I'm always working to try and improve that and I'm improving it every day but it's something generally that I have found out in the last let's say three to five years yeah it sounds like um like I don't know I don't know if it's lady we've named but like entrepreneurship just building business you know you know there are some sacrifices it takes a toll if you want to create great quality service and reach the people you want to connect with and align with it it does take a toll but it's good that I'm hearing that you're taking care of yourself better now and in a much better place so that's really great to hear the irony being is like when I was working for other people when I was doing like loads of freelance work for other companies I would yeah, I used to live in West London and I used to work from 7am till 7pm doing editing and post-production in like a big multinational corporation editing company, like a media mm. company, sorry. I used to work 7am till 7pm or for more money, I'd do 7pm till 7am and I'd go across the road after my shift and I'd go to the gym every single day. So, sorry, every single shift. So I'd work there four or five times a week, 12 hours a day, 
you know, 60 hour weeks and going to the gym four or five times a week, walking to and from the station every day as well. And so I was working more hours. I was working the same amount of hours then and concentrating on my health because it was just there. It was convenient. But then in the last three to five years where our business has really taken off, we're working probably more hours, but that's all, that's overtaking the time I've, you know, allocated to myself or exercise and to do things for myself mm. and you end up prioritizing other things like going out with your friends or you know if you've been working 12 hours a day the last thing you want to do is get in the car and go to the gym or something like that so I just try and do more things for myself now like you know walking my dog in the forest every day and you know eventually I want to join the gym again mm. <laughs> but it's just mm. not really mm. right now so I'm just trying to um correct those failures so to speak I hear you I hear you. So now we're going to get into the nitty gritty about you and your business. So how did you start your career and how did you end up um, with the business you are today? You have today. Even. Uh, everything, everything was kind of started from when I was about 16 years old. I, I was quite good at media studies and film studies in school. Mm. Um, I wasn't really good at anything else. I've always been quite tunnel vision that way like I did psychology and law and politics and all these like academic subjects and I just did really badly at them but media was always something that I really understood theoretically and practically mm. my teachers saw that as well so they always you know, not in a teacher's pet kind of way but I was always quite they were always quite fond of me and I was always able to teach the other kids things I was always like mm. you know, a classroom assistant at times because I could teach other kids and get them on the same level if that makes any mm, sense mm, um mm. and from there um you know my my nan gave me a little bit of money for my what was it my 16th my 18th birthday my 18th birthday um so i've been playing around with like home cameras and stuff just things you have at home like old crappy mini dv cameras and stuff like that i bought a little camera with uh, that money and i had also worked at waitrose at the time and so I saved up loads of money from that and bought myself a laptop and just went out and started filming bands, filming gigs, filming mm. musicians um, with my friends. And that turned into like a, a zine, I guess is the best way to describe mm. it, like mm. an online platform. But again, back then, like YouTube didn't exist. There was nowhere to, there's no way to monetize it to actually make anything of it. So that kind of died out. And we, we just started a trend with a few different things that other bigger publications started copying our ideas and making more money off them. But mm. we were never able to compete with that because it wasn't really our passion. Mm. Well, it was our passion, but as you get older, when you get to about 21, 22, your passion needs to start making you some money. So we then switched to starting a production company um, with my friend. Um, we had some really good clients at the beginning. We made some really good contacts. We made some all right money. Um, and then when those clients inevitably moved on, you know, in, in mm. an agency's lifestyle, you don't really have a client for more than two or three years unless you're really big and you can retain them by keep undercutting yourself. So they moved on and we you know, didn't really know how to progress from that. So I went back into freelancing. Mm. Um, you know, I moved out of my parents' house and you know, moved into a flat and then started grafting, really, mm. you know, doing lots of freelance work, whether it's for small companies, big companies, individuals, um, brands who are coming to me directly. Um, and from there, just started to, well, I say started, just continued to to build that up and make it more of a solid foundation. Um, and then weddings was always a part of that. So having weddings on the side really allowed me to have some bread and butter money coming in, mm -hmm. but then being able to focus on some other things, which maybe didn't make as much money, but at the time were a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just been doing weddings consistently for the last few years, and then my partner, Rachel, who I've been with for nearly seven years, she joined our business. My, she joined my business a couple of years ago to form a partnership. And that's really taken us to the next level mm. where she's able to do the things that I'm not good at and I can continue doing the things I am good at mm -hmm. and that we complement each other really well because then we can actually have a... Uh, we can look at the bigger picture mm. and actually run the business the way we want it to run rather mm. than just always playing catch-up. Mm. Okay. So I hear that you started from like you had the interest, you had the passion for media and creating things or what or content or what, you know what it's called today. Um, but how did it seems like you built your foundations and that's how you got 
the referrals so how did you get the referrals and build that trust so, so you get work in um, I think it all has to start at, at square one I think you have to get your first wedding yeah if we're talking about weddings specifically mm. you have to get your first wedding under your belt so then where do you start if you haven't got a portfolio you don't know anyone mm. like, where do you mm. go it's cash train too so yeah my friend Penny was getting married and this was 2011 so yeah nearly nine years ago this was and I said, you know, she's one of my best friends at the time. I said, hey, I'm, you, know, you know I do videos, really want to film a wedding. Do you mind if I film yours if you haven't got someone doing it? Um, it won't cost you anything. <laughs> mm. And I went and filmed that. I had a great day. I was a guest as well. And then from there, people saw it. And then my friend Alan said, oh, hey, my, friend, my friend's friend needs a wedding video. I heard you do that now. And then they kind of steamrolled into, sorry, kind of snowballed into getting more referrals and getting more bookings. And then as you start to actually bring some money in from it, you can then afford to do advertising and you find out where the best places to advertise are. Mm. You slowly get around to building a portfolio, building a website, getting better at business, understanding pricing mm. um, and all that kind of stuff really. So yeah, that's, that's how it all, that's how it all started. Okay. So it's the power of the referral um, um, and having a port portfolio and being there at the right place and letting people know enthusiastically what, like, what you do. That's what I'm Yeah, hearing. absolutely. And obviously, there's the whole digital thing. You know, it's a massive part of what we do. And people can go on social media, they can go on directories, they can Google search, they can find you all sorts of multimedia ways. But then the, the word of mouth is, is so underrated because people build businesses based on referrals, you know. Mm-hmm. BNI has been fantastic for me. Um, maybe not so much wedding wise, and I, I, I'm looking to change that because I don't talk about weddings that much. I talk more about commercial because it's very commercial driven there. But you know, having a lot of more business knowledge and inside knowledge from BNI and what I've learned there has allowed me to apply that to our businesses and start to build more relationships where referrals come almost every week. Mm. So rather than relying on people. Or rather than just hoping people will recommend your services, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's kind of giving them incentives to refer you and constantly reminding them to refer you and building those strong strong networks of people where you know they've got your back and vice versa. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, a referral is only you know a referral isn't necessarily trackable. It's not you can't say right, I am going to get five referrals this week. You can't you can't legislate for that because it all depends on who the customer is and mm, mm, mm. The budget just the luck of the draw that week. But if you can build these systems into your business where you can get those referrals on a regular basis, you then got a better chance to, to make more sales. I hear you. I hear you. So it's powerful to make sure you got your good work and let people know who you are. And the word word, word of mouth is you know second to really? none. No, you yeah. should never underestimate word of mouth. It's not. You can't rely on it because, as I said, you don't know. One week you might get five referrals. You know, one month you might get five referrals from you know your your partners and your your strategic people that you work with. Next month you might get one, and you won't ever be able to know why that is. Mm. So you can't rely on that. You can't mm. rely on five, one, mm. two, ten, two, mm. three. You know, you can't rely on these mm. numbers. You just have to have so many fingers and so many different pies to make mm. sure you're always getting the referrals that you need. Mm. Okay. So it's looked like you and your partner um, is looking at ways how you can consistently advertise or promote through word of mouth digitally to get to the right people and have that alignment. So looking at alignment, um, people can't see you, <laughs> but you don't come from an Asian background. I'm just double checking. You don't come from an Asian yeah. background. So well, how I'm, I'm did... white than white. I'm just a, okay. I'm a normal working middle class white boy. And I, I constantly get reminded of that when I go to Indian weddings. People are always so shocked that they're like, you, "You're the videographer," and I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Oh," and they don't say anything. They don't say anything. <laughs> like, I'm like, "Yeah." So like, how? Oh, cool. Ex- explain. Like, explain. I, think just, I know. I think when you're good at something, you just you just carry on doing it. You know. I think I did my first ever Indian wedding about seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, through an agency. And I was just thrown in the deep end. And I, I didn't fail. To go back to your earlier question, what if you mm. failed at? I didn't fail at it, but I didn't do as good a job as I obviously that I would now. But I didn't do a fantastic job of it. They were still happy with their video. 
But looking back at it, I'm thinking, wow, like that was really irresponsible of that agency to put me in not knowing what I was doing. Um, but well, I you evolve, right? Like like any person who creates or creative, you you evolve, so you Absolutely. get better and better. I think so. within you, I don't know if you've ever been to an Indian wedding, but they're quite vibrant. They're quite they're very vibrant. There's lots of music, dancing, smiles, happiness. You know, just drama and cinematic opportunity. So when you've got that, you know, and the color as well. I mean, sometimes you go to English weddings and they're very like cookie cutter. Like you mm. know exactly what the venue is going to look like before you've even stepped in the door. And there's no disrespect to those kind of weddings. Like we absolutely love doing those weddings because you're still creating fantastic memories for people. But every Indian wedding is different because all the colors are different, the people are different. You know, some people are really uh, quite interactive. Some people are a bit more conservative, and just about dealing with those different types of people. Mm. Um, yeah. So to, to bring it back around to what you what you're actually asking me no, no. about how do I how do I get into it is I think I just I found something that I could put my own creative spin on, and I, I looked at the Indian wedding video industry, and it's just it's full of it's just full of absolutely awful video production companies churning out really awful Uncle Bob content. And we call it Uncle Bob because it's literally just as if the bride's uncle is standing in the corner of the venue with a Zoom camera <laughs> and just zooming in and out at random things. And people look at our services and they go, you know, modern Indian couples are very Instagram conscious. They're very like all about Snapchat, about social media, you know, about looking absolutely immaculate on their big day they're mm. more about the high-end fine art fashion kind of vibe so if we can provide that to them it doesn't matter if i'm white or not it doesn't matter as long as i can prove and i do consistently prove that i understand their culture and understand what's important to them and i'm within their budget yeah <laughs> then that's all that matters really it doesn't matter where i come from or you know I'm going to make very stereotypical uh, and put a little disclaimer. So when I was in Coventry, uh, lived in Coventry, I, li I lived next to a Gujarara. Mm -hmm. um, so I see Asian or Sikh weddings all the time. <laughs> but I live vicariously over, there was a Sikh wedding every, every of, of a day because I literally next to this, literally next to the Gujarara and um, they're long. <laughs> very, very, some of them are very expensive. I had, I had, had friends who are, male like the oldest son and they contribute to their sister's wedding and they're still paying it off for it now um so yeah. there seem to be i don't know all the statistics if i should know about a lot of weddings because I'm, I'm a jeweler but for the average compared to an english white wedding and an asian or sikh wedding which i see or participated in the money and expense and the how grand it is it's just totally um it's out of this That's world it's out of this world. Really is like, for comparison, like, for example, we could do a very, you know, quote-unquote simple English wedding. It might have 80 people. They have a really nice barn wedding, mm. really nice decorations. And, you know, they've got three or four bridesmaids. They've got three or four groomsmen. They've got nice rings. They've they spend a bit of money, but it's still very homely. And, like, you feel like only their closest friends or family are there. They might spend anywhere between 15 to 20 grand, which... It's still a considerable amount of money. An Indian wedding, you could drop 15, 20 grand without even thinking about it. You know, some of the bigger events that we do, um, anywhere between 400 to 800 people. And you think that the catering bill for 400 people is... Crazy. Astronomical. It's you know, not like... Let's say like, hmm. for, let's say like conservatively 50 pounds a head times 400 people... That's twenty. That's twenty grand straight away, just on food. That doesn't include like hire of the actual venue. Doesn't include decorations. Doesn't include outfits. Doesn't include the car. Doesn't include the music, the production, the big massive screens they have. Doesn't include us, the photographer. Mm. You know, and if you go bigger than I mean, fifty pounds a head is, is nothing. Mm. You know, we've done events on Park Lane before, the Dorchester and uh, the Grosvenor and. All, all that sort of stuff, and I, I would hate to even imagine the money that the, the, the total bill that came. But like, everyone has the market. 
there's there's a market for everybody and they have the money and they want and the, I guess they have higher expectations I'm, I'm guessing do they um your yeah. your clients I would say so compared to what I would call a quote-unquote English English couple English you know client um the expectation is higher but then again our, our services you know our fees are higher mm-hmm. yeah you, you have know, to reflect that because the amount of work what you do yeah absolutely I would say I don't know the exact percentage but I would say that our Indian wedding video service is probably 75 or 80 percent higher than our English service. Yeah, so almost double because of the amount of not only the legwork you've got to do on the day, but it's knowing exactly where you need to be at exactly what times to get the shots that they want. Mm. An English wedding ceremony is over in 15 minutes. Mm. You have three, four cameras. You know exactly what's going to happen where, you know, they're not going to move from that spot. You know they're going to be there. With an Indian ceremony, people are moving all over that mandap mm-hmm. all the time. And they have different rituals. Sometimes, you know, depending on what denomination of Hinduism they are, or, you know, where their family's from, mm. or, you know, what, what rituals and traditions they choose to observe in their ceremony, you have to be on it just to write, be like, right, this is the pharaohs, this is the seven steps, how did this you learn that? Thing. And how did you learn all the different languages? How? How did you do that? Oh, I don't, I don't know the actual languages. I just know the words, you know, <laughs> what these different, mm. you know, what, what these different rituals are. So the pharaohs means like um, when they put grains into the fire mm. and they walk around the fire and people and their friends and family throw petals over them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just, just knowing those things helps me assimilate with a different culture that, you know, that I don't belong to. Um, and I can say, look, I understand what you want. I understand what you need. You know, let, let us make something amazing for you. Mm. It kind of goes back to the thing earlier where you say, you know, oh, but you're white. How did you get into it? And it's just by by being personable, by being humble and being respectful towards a different culture mm-hmm. um, and showing that you can provide them a service to a level that they want and that they expect, as you say, um, but you are going to charge for it. And I think people respect that. I think if you're too cheap, they'll be like, no, that's not right. You shouldn't be that cheap. If you're too expensive, they'll just laugh at you and say, no, that's, that's way out of our budget. So if you can find that sweet spot, which I think we have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter where you're from. <laughs> Good. I mean, it's, it's, it's a skill and the proof is in the pudding. So when they see your portfolio and what you've done and you've been highly recommended, you know, um, race and other thing. People want a, people want a good photo, um, a, a good video, so they can show their friends and they can live those memories forever. And and you you, you you create these special moments for them, which is amazing. They look at the portfolio and go, I want that. I want to look like that. And I say, okay, great, sign here. Let's do it. You know, it really is that simple. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter where you're getting married. You know, you can be getting married in a really, you know, conservative looking place, really plain decoration. We can still make your film really lovely. Mm. You don't need to be getting married on Park Lane. You can be getting married in North London. Mm. You can be getting married in Harrow. You know, it doesn't matter where you're getting married. It's just it's about the couple, it's about the client. Mm. As long as they've got the right attitude, then we're going to create something amazing for them. How do you deal with... Because when I've been to weddings, I've been in a couple... How do you deal with the families? How do you deal with everyone's requests? And how do you deal with anxious brides and all that kind of stuff? How do you deal with that? Because you're not just dealing with bride and groom. You're dealing with other factors, English wedding or Asian weddings or not. I just don't know how you deal with everybody. I try and make it as simple as possible for everyone involved. I say to people, look, uh, you are our client. The bride and groom is our client. It doesn't matter whether mum and dad are paying for it. It doesn't matter if, you know, someone else from the family is paying for it. it. The client is bride and groom. So what they want is all that matters to me. Mm. If they want to get a request across to us from their family, mm. that's absolutely fine, but it needs to come through them. I can't, I can't open myself or my team up to taking random requests from people all day, every day. You know, there's a, a really bad habit that some people have at weddings where they they look at you and they click their fingers as if you're a waiter. Not that you should even do it to a waiter, but they, they click their fingers and say, oh, come over here, come over here, take my picture. And I'm like, first of all, don't click your fingers at me. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I'm not the photographer, he is. Thirdly, goodbye. 
Really? You know? So you, yeah, you just you just say, look, I'm I'm not the you know you, you're polite, you're diplomatic, but you say, look, you know, please don't do that. I'm not the photographer. He's a photographer. I I need to go and do some work. And you know, most more, you know, I, I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I've needed to have that conversation with people. And it's never anybody that's like really close to the family. It's always like an uncle that gets a bit above his station. And he's just like, oh, yeah, come here. And I'm like, don't. Like, mm. yeah, you're diplomatic. You're friendly. You're smiley. You're not going over there with a stone face saying, don't you do that. You know, you're just friendly with people. You kill people with kindness. But yeah, to, to go back to your main point, dealing with all those different personalities, you just bring it back to the bride and groom. Mm. Like, it's their day. It's. Mr. X and Mrs. Y. That's all that matters to us. So mm-hmm. if they if they have a request for us, that so we get we get them to submit all their requests and all their you know different prerequisites in advance. <clears throat> but if they need something from us above and beyond, we'll always accommodate because that's just good customer service. I think. Yeah. Um, we're always giving you know freebies and extra bits of service that you know by all rights you should probably charge for but we're doing it because we want to make our clients happy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're paying for a three thousand pound package and we give them a little bit of extra bit of our time or you know i don't mind staying an extra hour or yeah let's go and do this Mm -hmm. or um you know a lot of indian couples will have big lcd screens behind their top table Mm -hmm. and i'll say to them look we've got three hours in the middle of the day when there's all the turnaround time why don't I edit some footage from the morning and put it on this big screen for you whilst your guests have dinner? And they're like, yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. And it's just, it's a way that you can add a little bit of extra value and at the end of the day, get a better you know, client feedback and hopefully good review from it as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we're just always trying to manage the expectations of, um, manage and exceed the expectations of the, the client themselves and just always remember that is the client. That is who we answer to. Mm-hmm. You know, if mum wants, wants her input, if dad wants her input, that's fine. But it goes through the bride and groom because that is who we answer to. Okay. So that's the day. You do a great job. It's tiring. You do all that. Oh, a lot of emotional labour, diplomacy, great shots, planning to create this memories, what they're going to have for the rest of their lives, what they're going to live on and live on and show their friends and families. So you do the editing, and when you do the editing and you give it to the client, how does that work? We deliver everything via Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, it, it kind of goes back to the whole thing about managing expectations again. We're very upfront and say, look, your video will be with you within four months. More four months? Hold up, hold up. But four months is not a long time, honestly. Why like, four months? Some of these other companies are quoting six, nine, even 12 months. You know, but I just got married. I want it now. So I'm exactly. probably your worst nightmare. But I just got married. Like, why can't you just do it quickly now? Tell me. Exactly. But then why should I do your video before someone who got married two months ago? Yeah, but isn't it, doesn't take You're that. not a beautiful and unique snowflake. As Tyler Durden would say, you know, everyone has to know their place. You know, you approach these things in a, in a diplomatic way. And, you know, people, people will ask you in consultation before they've even booked or paid a deposit. How long will it take you to get me my video? I'll say, you know, we'll give you a date of four months after, after your wedding date. So let's say you get married first of June, you'll get your video no later than July or September than the first of October. But if we say first of October, and then we deliver at the start of September, you're exceeding our expectations. But why does it take that long? So, to me, because I have That's no really media experience, tell me why it takes so long. Tell me. I would say the, the average production time for editing from start to finish an Indian wedding project is about five days. So like a but week. that's not five days that you can... I can't sit there nine till five or nine till six, Monday to Friday, one week, and do that because not only have you got business as usual email, you've got other clients, commercial stuff, you know, you've got other stuff going on in your life. So you can't dedicate five straight days to... Sorry, it does. You can't dedicate five straight days to delivering that. So you give yourself a time frame of four months. Um, obviously, you've got other clients as well. Like if, you, if you film six weddings in June, and then you've got another six weddings in July, you're not editing those June weddings in July, are you? Because you're filming other stuff. 
So it all does pile up into like a big kind of pipeline. So, you know, if you look at our editing production pipeline on our, pro- on our project manager software, we're just now clearing everything from December, January. And then because February and March is very quiet, because it is, we're able to do those really quickly. So we're saying, hey, guys, you're getting married on, you know, 29th of February. And they're getting their video within one month. Mm. They're absolutely over the moon. But people getting married in June and July, they're going to have to wait until November, December, because that's just the busiest time of the year. Can, do you give them a little snippet, rough edit or anything? Or do you give them the final becomes like, I can't wait, I can't wait. Gums like, I want it now, English I want to show my friends in this instant world. English weddings, no, because... <sighs> English weddings, no, because it's not built into the package. Mm. You know, it's very much like you pay a very budget-friendly price mm-hmm. and you wait a maximum of four months, but you're going to love it when you get it. With Indian couples, we've built it into the, the thing, the, the package that they can get their trailer pretty quickly. Mm. And also, like, in classic, you know... Amazon Prime kind of attitude we also offer the add-on service like an optional lecture of speedy turnaround mm-hmm. so I say to them if you want delivery within one month of your wedding date you pay extra mm-hmm. like, like a rush thing mm. yeah rush delivery basically um, obviously there's a limit to that you can't offer rush delivery for every single client because that would just put you back to square one mm. but you know you can probably do two rush deliveries a month if you can make an extra few hundred quid from that then I think it's good business and it's good for them as well as long as you can provide value to the client and actually say Mm -hmm. I'm charging this much because you know people are happy to pay it okay so you give it to the client and what happens then what happens they're like oh I like it or I don't or do they love it okay sorry (laughs) sorry 99 times out of 100 the, the immediate feedback is we absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that 99%, about 99% of them don't want anything changed. They're like, brilliant, thank you so much. Like, mm. Where can I leave a review? Mm-hmm. Uh, we send them the USB with their videos on and then we sign them off and they go and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some people that want a few changes. They might say, oh, you know, I don't like how I look in this shot. Can you replace that shot or that person there? I didn't actually like that person, but I was forced to invite them to my wedding. Can you take them out? <laughs> you know, just little requests like that. And we'll obviously like happily do them, um, do that for them as a priority. Get the video signed off, get them to leave a review, mm-hmm. give them their USBs and, and send them on their way. Um, with Indian couples, it's a little bit more, I don't know what the word is. Like there's a, there's a kind of like a stereotype that Indian couples don't really show much emotion and people joke about it and, they always talk about it during their speeches that oh, I don't want to be emotional in front of my friends and family. So when you do get that feedback from Indian couples, sometimes it's not as effusive as maybe like an English couple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, an English couple will be like all in capital letters, oh my God, I love this so much. Indian couple will just say, thank you for the video. And that's it. Like, and I'm like, oh. So that's a great. good job. They, love it. They, they, they really like it and they put it on Facebook and like, you know, and they leave us a review and stuff, but like the emotion level is just very much down here. So, so, so it's it a cultural might. thing. People express things in different, different ways. So, you know, at least it's not bad. At least it's not a bad thing. You, you, you understand I'm the culture. I'm not saying that all Indian couples do that. You yeah, know, I get some Indian couples who, who, who message me and say, "Oh my god, I love it so much. Thank you so much." You get some couples who just show absolutely no emotion. They go, they just put the word "thanks" and then send their address. <laughs> don't like it if they didn't like it they would be the first person yeah. to say i like it or i need you to change this or i need you to change that you know or they you know but i can count on one hand the amount of like negative or uh you know yeah like i say negative comments you've had about indian weddings in the last you know six seven eight years wow i i i i, I give you a lot that like isn't really our fault they always say oh, have you got a video clip of my uncle on my mum's side? And I'll be like, are they immediate family? Did you tell me in advance that you wanted a specific clip of that person? And I'll say no. And I'll say, well, you should have told me. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking about it very blasé now, but obviously that comes across a lot more diplomatic in my approach. But mm-hmm. I'll just say, if you didn't tell me in advance who these people are, you can't just expect me to, to have this stuff. Mm. Um, 
So you try to be as diplomatic as possible. And of course, of course. Of course, you uh, you know it's it's expectations, isn't it? And I think people sometimes, when you have customers or clients, they want to squeeze every single piece of you um, as possible. Yeah. So as you say, it's managing those expectations, and it sounds like for your client process, you do that at the start. So yeah. when it's four months, you maintain that familiarity with someone, and you retain that friendly relationship. And if you need to, yeah. you refer back to the contracts and say, you know, I had a client recently. He came to me and said, I mean, it was a two-day wedding. And they said, oh, can you send me, uh, when can I receive the video from the Friday, like the long video from the Friday? And I say, oh, well, actually, if you go back to the contract, when you didn't actually ask for that. Mm-hmm. And she, she realized some mistake and was like, oh, okay, no worries. But you know what I mean? It's that mm-hmm. kind of, maybe she was trying her luck. Maybe she just genuinely didn't know. Maybe mm-hmm. she forgot, who knows? But as long as you have that, that forthright approach and just say, oh, you know, Actually, you've only paid for a highlight, a five-minute highlights video. You didn't pay for the hour-long video. Yeah, I'm not just going to do an hour-long video for someone for free. I'm not going to give up a day of my time just because someone asked. You know, if they want to pay for it, great. But yeah, I'm not just going to say it out of uh, embarrassment or out of politeness. Just go. Oh, yeah, no, no, but you have to but, do what yeah, you have to do. Five years ago, I would have done that. <laughs> yeah, but I think you know, come from experience, you you know what you need to do, and. Um, you, 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 it's all about the client relationships, having these bespoke experiences and communication, and, and you're a very personable, likable person. So I'm sure the the people would 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 know, like you know, the boundaries and and expectations. So it it, it seems to work. It seems most of the time it works out. And I think in the, the day you have to always remember that you are a business. Yeah. And people buy from people, and you have that good natural relationship with people. Yeah. But it always has to be built on that foundation of. This is what I offer. You get this for this price. Mm-hmm. If you want more, it's at my discretion if I want to give you more. If if somebody if people are rude to you, you know, if people are like, Where's my video? I had a client recently who is just In a nice way. Dip diplomatic person I've ever I've ever known. Like she's just so odd. Just but we're all human beings. We're all odd. I we have our quirks. We have our quirks. No, no, but like, there's odd. Like, you, there's odd that you can laugh at. Me. Like, haha, she's a she's a character. But like, she, she's genuinely like really rude and just you know, just doesn't listen to anything we say to her. Sounds she's like a very difficult customer. A video. But... Mm. had a very very basic plain wedding. We made a lovely video for her. We filmed. We delivered exactly what we what, what was asked of her. Mm-hmm. She's not very tech savvy. So she wasn't able to access Dropbox and watch her videos. So we sent her like a hard drive of everything on it before she had signed it off. And she wanted some changes. So we made the changes. Again, she couldn't access Dropbox. So we sent her another USB with the footage on again. So we're paying like £20 every time for these USBs and postage. Above and beyond what, you know. She's just still really rude. There's nothing wrong with the videos. They're absolutely lovely videos. We did a really good job on them. But, you know, and as I say, you've got to deal with different personality types. In, in and be accessible. So so, so maybe we kind of learned maybe that, you know, not everyone is so IT savvy. So, yeah, so you catered and you tailored it to a non-IT savvy person. And, you, you know, you exactly. can only control what you can control. It cost us, you know, not to talk about, pounds and pennies and stuff but it costs us 50 quid more than it should have to get those things there and it's 50 quid that should be in my pocket but we did it because she needed it and even though she was being rude to us and even though we're being diplomatic and friendly the whole time again like the love she made lovely videos for her she had absolutely no issues with that it was just like oh can you change this and change that and all that kind of stuff um, but we did it because it's good customer service, and we're not expecting a review from her. Nor would we probably want her to leave a review. <laughs> no, it's, but, it's, it's tricky, though. It's, it's tricky because it's weird. Like you, you, you remind me of something of like some jewelry. Like because I feel that people don't understand. Like when you're independent, people's time, and I think people expect a lot more from independence than they would from a bigger, re- like a bigger corporation. They really squeeze a lot. And they expect a lot, and and if they, they expect so much flexibility um, as well. And I'm just thinking back when I was 
I I work with this couple, they were a bit rude, um, I made their engagement ring and the thing was like, I, I understand why they were a bit rude and a bit, sh you know, standoffish because they went to, got a, they got an engagement ring before and the jeweller effed it up basically. So they were so disheartened, so they was giving me a lot of grief, said, are you going to do it properly? Da -da -da. I'm like, I did it properly. And as soon as I did it, they were kind of a bit more nicer to me. But they wouldn't give me a testimonial. I'm just like, I did all this stuff. I saved you your engagement ring. You know, and you just like, you know, my, you know, to me, like, and testimonial, that's how I eat. Word of mouth, right? I don't spend lots of money on digital, which I should. Digital marketing. And he's just like, you can't even say, do me a quick testimonial and a picture. But it's just like, I just had to let it go because <laughs> the more I thought about yeah. it, it just gets me upset. But, you know, it's not a frequent occurrence. It's just one of the rare, it's, it's going it's to happen again. Probably one in every 50 people I've talked to, but it's not nice, especially when you put a lot, a lot of work in. We have, to, we have to manage our own expectations as well. We can't necessarily think that every single client we're going to have, you know, whether they're happy or not, is going to leave a review. Mm. You know, we've just delivered on the on the English side of things. We've just delivered our hundred twenty eighth client in just under two years, mm -hmm. and we've got sixty reviews. So what's that about forty five percent of people have left the review, and that doesn't include all the people that we've delivered to in the last two months who haven't quite signed off on their videos yet. So if you can get half half of your clients to leave reviews, you know and other people like, you know, other suppliers at weddings will do a lot more bookings than us. They might have 200 clients a year. They can get 100 reviews a year from people. You're laughing, really. Oh, my God. All right. I need, your, I need your secrets of the people who are listening. How do you get those testimonials? Because You have to leverage them. You have to leverage them. You have to give them an incentive because let's say, hello, we want a wedding video. Great. You get this for this much. When that's done, when that transaction's done, they're like, great, we walk away, we have our videos, you have your money, that's it, it's done. What what incentive is there for them to take even two minutes out of their day to leave you a review on Facebook or Google? If you can give them something, like we always leverage it and say, um, right, so they signed off on their video, and they get you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith have signed mm -hmm. off on their video, and we say, great. So glad you love your video. Um, we're about to send out a USB to you. Can you confirm your address? And we copy and paste their address and say, is this the best address to send this to? And then say to them at the same time, so you know they read it, if you leave us a review on both Google and Facebook, we'll send you another USB for free. So you're not sending them, you're not sending them one and then asking for a review because they probably won't do it. They'll be like, no, don't worry about it. But in their head, they're not getting their USB until they've left the review. You're leveraging it. You're basically saying like, oh yeah, I'll send you two at the same time. I'll send you this extra 25 pound USB mm. if you leave us a review. And yeah, you're paying for the review because you're giving away a 25 pound USB or whatever, but you've got a review. And I think a review is more valuable to you than, than 25 quid. Which isn't to us, a, value, a, a Facebook and a Google review from the same person is way more valuable than 25 quid to us. I need some tips for jewellery, because I can't give up free, free gold and diamonds, but it must you be can, something I, I can I don't attach. Really know off my head what you could give as an incentive. Not like a polished really. cloth, because usually when I get freebies from other jewellers, you know, you, you can have a free polisher, you know, like the polished cloth, and I'm just like, uh, or should I do a face roller? I don't know, something, what a couple, a man or a woman, usually for engagement and wedding rings, what would they want as a freebie? You give them a box. Like, I assume you don't just give them the rings as they are. Do you give them like a presentation box? Yeah, I've got some. Does, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. does that come inside? Does that come inclusive of your of your price when you quote people? So we mean we mean presentation box. Is it just you talking about the box and and the bag, the normal thing? What I'll give as packaging, or you talking about if, is there something extra? What do you mean by presentation box? I just wanted to know just generally what you give people. I mean, when I got an engagement ring from my partner, they gave me this really cool like. Actually, no, I got it from. No, they gave him, no, sorry, the jeweler didn't give me a very nice box. It was a very basic, plain white thing with like this awful bit of styrofoam in it. Um, I got like a vintage ring box from Etsy. And it's like this little hexagonal black box. It was tiny. I mean, I know, you, you know okay. the audience can't see us, but it's a tiny thing. But if you're giving something to someone like that, which is a little bit above and beyond, you could say to someone, you know, 
do you like your ring? They, uh, do, they, do they come back into your to workshop to test the ring and make sure it fits after you've done it? I mean, yeah. So usually, yeah, they go to the workshop or I meet them because it's personal service. So sometimes I go wherever they are or I go um, and I give it to them, the woman, whoever. Okay, so what are you talking about? Wedding rings or, or, or engagement rings? I mean, it could be anything. Really. Okay, I mean, so engagement ring, I usually give it to the guy so they can propose. And when they propose, the woman says yes. Um, usually it's okay if the guy gets it right. Um, the, the the ring size, because that's some, sometimes really tricky because he thinks he knows the ring size and doesn't, but usually he does. Sometimes when the woman, because she's so happy about engagement ring, she'll, she'll contact me. Um, and then if, if it's like a size... Um, too big because sometimes it, you know I, I, I free ring size it but it's just like packaging normal packaging but you said it's a special box so I think I need to invest in that I need to invest in a standoutish luxury box um yeah. yeah I don't know exactly how much that would cost you but let's say you could get it for like under 20 quid per box mm. or even under a tenner a box mm. if you buy them in bulk you know you could say look um I'm so glad you love your, your ring. Congratulations on getting engaged. Here, if you're happy to leave me a Google and Facebook review, I'll give you this lovely uh, you know, um, jewellery box to keep it in at home. Or I'll give you a... Is there some sort of like cleaning kit you can give people? I'm going to think of doing yeah. cleaning kits. I was thinking not just a polished cloth, but something else with some cleaner. I need to give them yeah. something which they would find as value. Um, exactly. Put a price on it and say... Oh, I usually sell these for thirty pounds, but you can have it for free if you if you leave me a review. I don't know how that would work in terms of a timeline. Like, would you ask them to leave it on the spot if they come into your workshop, or you know, if you're kind of going to someone's home to deliver their ring? It's a bit awkward to say, "Oh, do you mind leaving me a review while I'm standing here watching you?" But you need to find an appropriate way to ask them. But I think if you can give them something that you know isn't going to cost them any money, but usually does cost money. Yeah, you know, we're even thinking about saying to people, you know, if your friends and your relatives want to leave a review, they'll get a free USB for themselves. Why not? You know, we always get messages from parents and, you know, saying, oh, thank you so much for making a lovely video for my son or daughter's wedding. Um, you know, that's it. But, you know, if they can put that into an actual legit five-star review on Google, here, have a USB. You plug it into your TV and watch it. So I think as long as you can provide value, um, I think people will do it for you. Okay. I'm learning notes. Provide value, extra value, so people to leverage to get more testimonials and help creatives thrive so they can eat and create great things in the world and create precious memories. Eating so, is the most important thing, putting food on the table. Especially in, in, these, in these times. So just exactly. as we're wrapping up, is there anything I you want to say? I haven't asked you... Anything you want to clear up before the podcast um, finishes this episode? Wow. This is a really long silence. <laughs> I'm trying to think that. I don't know, really. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this year. I mean, going back to your very first question, I'm very curious about how this year is going to play out. Mm. I just hope that creatives and small to medium-sized businesses aren't thrown under the bus by the government. Mm. It's all well and good not to get all political, but like Richard Branson standing there saying, oh, I want £5 billion bailout from the government. When people like you and I, who just go about our business and who, who, who you know, we, we, by all rights, if things don't go away, could be absolutely obliterated. To some. We won't go out of business because we, we have savings and we have a good service that people will that people are attached to. We've got bookings and stuff. Mm. But it could absolutely obliterate us. So I just hope that this year goes the way we hope and Whoa. we can continue to, to make nice things for, for good people. You know? I'm so glad for you. But for me, um, I'm trying not to worry and try to do things in other ways. I'm always having, as a jeweller, different jobs because sometimes in this down season, for me, down season is like from February to about April. Uh, to me, when people get married or engaged, usually December, December for some really from September to December, I'm flat out busy. I don't really make stuff around Valentine's Day. I don't know why, but anyway, and you know, for me, 
my bread and butter is engagement rings and wedding rings. So it's a social thing, right? And we'll have to yeah. see how this virus thing plays out to summer because if people are delaying, delaying, you know, wedding season and, and I don't know, I've never been engaged before, but in my patterns of working with people who get engaged, they, um, the guy, usually a heterosexual couple, a guy, usually, I do, he goes to, if you're in like the 25 to the 37 year age, age, you know, that's when you usually get married, usually in London, I don't, I don't know for others. And so when you, when the guy goes to a lot of weddings and wedding seasons, he somehow, if you're a part of a group, if someone's get married, usually that friend group somehow feel pressured that everyone else gets married or when the person goes on holiday especially around summer that's when they propose to make it special so i'm just thinking like if people can't travel if people can't be social (laughs) i don't know if these engagements are going to happen and i don't know if these wedding bands are going to get made even though I used to tell people to, to come to me about six months before, it's going to be not a necessity. So it's going to be interesting looking at the wedding or special occasion business, especially in the summer months, because people want the story. You know, I always ask women, like, why can't, you know, why do you need the, need, need the proposal? But they want the story to tell their friends. And they, they, it's, it's, it's super important. I think, like, the ring is one thing, but it's how you propose is another. So if that... If the environment's not there, I don't know how it's going to be in, in, in the jewellery business. So I, I don't know. I don't You're know. absolutely right. I mean, it, everything that's happening with this this COVID stuff is just, it's a hell of a knock-on effect on every single person. Mm. Um, yeah, I have friends in various jobs in all over the city, uh, all different industries, and everyone is affected in exactly the same way. Um, you know, I've got people that work in the public sector, mm. people that work in private, you know, and work in banking, finance. Mm. They work in schools, government, police, you know, all sorts of friends. And they all affected in the same way. Mm. But I think most of those people will be paid regardless. So I just hope that people like us can can get through this. But I think one thing that me and Rachel have been talking about quite a lot in the last couple of days is that we're not going to try and force something or worry about something that might never happen. We have to keep plowing ahead keep planning but also this is our natural downtime anyway february to april is our planning time because people get married november december no one we've, i don't think i've ever had a booking in january we had two weddings in, in february we've got three weddings in march um so four weddings in march so that, that's all very manageable so what are you doing all the other time you plan and you go right this is a unforeseen circumstance what mm. can we do what's within our power mm. to make the best of the situation. Mm. Like you just said, people aren't going out. People aren't, people cannot legally or logistically. Oh, what happened? What happens here? Something's happening. Money on a luxury. Oh, hold on. Something, no something just drop. froze. It, something just, it just froze. Um, no Where did you? I heard you when you said people can't logistically go out. Sure. So as you were saying earlier, you know, people can't logistically go out anymore. Like it's actually, you know, being. But let me start again. People can't fly anywhere. People can't go out to eat. They can't go to any of these places where you would typically propose to someone or, or create stories and memories of people. You're stuck at home. You know. I read a funny story the other day that this town in China came out of quarantine, came out of self-isolation, and immediately there were 88 couples that filed for divorce. <laughs> it's just like, it makes me laugh quite a lot, which is quite sad, really, but it just did make me laugh. But um, I can't remember what my exact point was, but I just hope businesses like ours can can get through this period. Oh, that was what I was going to say. You know, um people aren't going to spend money on a luxury service or a luxury item like our services Mm -hmm. if financial hardship is on the horizon. If they're about to be laid off from their job and they're planning a wedding, they're immediately going into self-preservation mode and being like, right, let's put the brakes on. Let's try and get some of this money back. Let's try and 
you know, be smart about this. They're not going to drop two grand on a ring. They're not going to drop three grand on video. They're not going to drop 10 grand on catering. You know, mm. people go into panic mode. So you just have to try and plan the best you can. I, I, I think we've had in the last couple of days three consultations with new potential new clients for like later on in the year. Like, October yeah, later on the year. And yeah. People are still. The confidence in the market is still going to come back. It's just a matter of when. It's just delayed it's a bit. Come at the worst time. Mm. If this happened in November like in this country, if it happened in November, happened over November, December, January, people haven't got money around Christmas anyway. I think it would have had less of an effect. Like socially, I'm not talking mm. about like health wise. I mean socially, it had less of an effect. But because it's starting to get a little bit warmer and people have got money again, I like, want to go to my festival. I've got a festival I mean? to I've go. Festival being cancelled. Like and everyone's like. Oh shit! Like Glastonbury's cancelled, and all these different festivals are cancelled, and it's like, well, what have, I, what have I got to look forward to? So I think people now are going to start planning for October, November, and that's where we can come in and say, hey guys, you know, obviously things are really up in the air right now, but let's try and carry on as normal as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And internally, we can just plan as well. We can make our business better. We can mm. make new partners, and we can find new people to work with, and and just. Uh, carry on really carry on so positive keep calm carry on support creatives support small business you know let the cash flow come in and have a great experience and plan for the future don't cancel just postpone just delay a little bit that's what i'm hearing people aren't gonna stop getting married like you know we've had three postponements this week it's fine it's absolutely fine we we keep the deposit Mm -hmm. because we need that cash flow and then we get married until september Instead of April or May, it's, it's fine, you know? Plan, plan, we plan. Get, still get paid for our service. They still get their product. Everyone's happy. As I say, it shifts from here to here. But you can plan because you know. It's not open-ended. Like, oh, we're thinking of getting married and maybe here, maybe here. And you don't really know. Mm. You know one couple just called up and said, right, we were getting married the blah, blah of May. Now we're getting married the 15th of September. Are you available? Yep, great. Change the date. Done. We're not getting that money in May. We're getting it in September. That's fine. We can plan. Business continuity planning. It's the best. Exactly. It's the best. Okay, exactly. so how can people... I'm going to put stuff in the show notes, but how can people reach out to you and see your fabulous work and do this planning? So, our website is undergoing some construction, but if you go to www.yourstrulyweddingfilms.com, mm-hmm. um, you'll see like a holding page, but mm-hmm. we're going to start launching the, the real site in a couple of weeks um feel free to email me it's jamie.horton h-o-r-t-o-n at yourtrulywillingfilms.com mm-hmm. happy to send you our brochure with uh, our package it's a one it's a one option package with some optional extras um and yeah we're going to spend, be spending the next couple of weeks just talking with potential new clients uh talking with some potential new partners about how we can give referrals to each other um and hopefully we'll come out the other side of this uh Stronger than ever. Perfect. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for being on this podcast. Much appreciated. Have some knowledge. And everyone, stay safe and keep on planning and keep creatives and creativity alive. And keep love alive. We need more love in the world in these in in these times, don't we? Uh, Yeah. Absolutely do. Share the love, but not the virus. Okay then. Thank you very much. Okay, cool. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Black Creative Handbook, your handbook for success, the manual, what you need to get there. Keep on working with us. Please share, comment, rate us. Just help us out. We help you. You help us. We're family. Speak soon, next time, same time, next week. Show everybody love.